Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today we talk about hunting etiquette. So in hunting, there's there's these sort of unwritten rules and, and ways that we could act or, or ways that we maybe think others should act in order to keep it friendly, keep it fair, I guess, if you will. And so we kind of run through our thoughts on some of these scenarios. You know, what happens if you walk up on a guy in the woods or, um, you know, if there's already somebody in the parking lot, when you pull up to a piece of public, you know, what do you do? Do you go in anyway? That kind of thing. We kind of like to play around with these scenarios and hopefully it gets you guys thinking about some of this stuff and and uh how we can all sort of uh i guess get along get along in the woods uh generally our experience has been good with these kind of things you know everybody's out there trying to enjoy the resource but thought it would make for an interesting conversation so hopefully you guys enjoy this one and like i said hopefully you haven't had too many bad experiences with this if you have you know Maybe shoot us a message. We'd be interested to hear that kind of stuff. Or if you've had good experiences, let us know. Either way, send us a message on uh, either Facebook, we're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, or Instagram, where we're Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast. Or shoot us an email. You can, you know, there's a contact us section on our website, ohiohuntsman.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. So let us know how things have gone for you in the, uh, the hunting etiquette space and if you'd like to hear us do more of these you know jeff we talked about you know maybe doing a a, a fishing etiquette episode you know how, how close can you fish to somebody else that kind of stuff you know so let us know what you think if you like this kind of content and uh you'll hear me in this one i i bought myself a new grunt call so you get to hear me tooting on Shooting on my new grunt call, and uh, we 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 sort of switched the orders. We recorded this one before the episode we released last week, so you'll hear us talk about um, planning to use my new grunt call when we go down for our bow weekend, which was beginning in November. So this one's a little out of order, but but we thought last week's episode was maybe more relevant at the time. So I can say at this point that. I've used that grunt call and been very happy with it. Used it in the woods, been happy with it. And I really like the fact that it's got a slider on the side that allows you to adjust from a fawn bleat to a buck grunt on the fly. It's just a slider, you, you know, you slide up and down with your thumb. And another really nice feature is that slider sort of changes the position of the reed. That's how it changes the tone. And in doing so, it keeps that, you know, if, if the reed ever freezes up, which happens a lot, you know, you blow in it once, you get that moist breath in there, and then it either won't blow or sounds weird because the reed froze. Sliding that slider up and down unlocks that reed, and it works great. So if you're interested in checking that call out, it's, like I said, it's the, it's my new grunt call. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you're looking for a new grunt tube, maybe check it out. And then before we get into the episode, one last thing, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So Mastin's is a 
premium scent company. They collect their scent on stainless steel, which, you know, stainless is ultra clean. So you're, you're getting good, pure scent. A lot of other companies will collect on concrete so you can get off scents and, and things in there. And they've got unique scents, right? They've got a cover scent they call Smell Like a Deer, which Jacob was actually using when he shot his buck. And if you haven't seen the photos of that, check out our, our social media. And uh, you can see the photos of, of that buck. It's a really nice buck. He was using that Smell Like a Deer scent. So we can attest that that uh, has helped him harvest his, uh, his 2019 buck. And they've got great prices. Like I'm, that's the one thing I really like about them is they're not trying to gouge anybody on prices. The prices are, are super fair and the product works. So if you're looking for scent, you want to try and use scent as we're getting ready for, for gun season, whatever you're looking for, check them out. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can just go to their website, order right on their website and have it shipped to your house. And with that, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? So on today's show... We're going to talk about a few things, but the main topic is hunting etiquette. So as we all know, there's sort of these unwritten rules or, um, yeah, I guess unwritten rules, etiquette, right? Things that uh, you should and shouldn't do. There, it, None of this is against the law, but we're all out there trying to use the resources and you know, there's things that you run into, scenarios that you run into, like, how should I handle this, right? I'm going out to hunt and, you know, it's public ground or maybe it's a big piece of private that a lot of different people have access to and you run across somebody else in the woods. What do you do? You know, those kind of like etiquette things, just being, uh, you know, in the woods diplomacy, right? Like, how do you treat these scenarios and not not make enemies, I guess. Uh, But before we get into that, you, you may have seen there is this, um, I don't know, should I call it a movement or an initiative? Maybe initiative, an initiative. Yeah. You've, you may have, may have seen things on the internet referring to team trees or hashtag team trees. And so I'm going to, kind of hand this off to Jeff. He's kind of the expert at the moment on this between the three of us. So we wanted, we wanted to just, I guess, briefly touch on team trees and, and what it is. So Jeff, why don't you take it away? Yeah. So this team trees initiative started, um, when a YouTuber called Mr. Beast, uh, he reached 20 million, uh, subscribers on his YouTube and, People were kind of joking, like, oh, you should plant 20 million trees because you for, you know, one for each one of your subscribers. And, you know, they kind of just kept pestering about the idea. So then he got the idea, like, well, let's see if we can make this happen. 
So then he reached out to uh, Mark Rober, which I'm a lot more familiar with his stuff. He's an engineer. Um, he was a NASA engineer. He worked on the Mars rover. And now he's a YouTuber that makes practical engineering stuff. Um, he made a trap for porch pirates that had a tracking device in it and would throw glitter Actually, I think it was micro glitter when they opened up the package and he what's his what's his YouTube channel? Is it is it just his name or uh, you know, I, I there, wish. Yeah, I, think, I wish I knew. I think there is a channel called let's, Practical let's, Engineering. Yeah. Let's back up a minute. What is a porch pirate? A porch pirate, oh. someone that steals your package off your porch, like your Amazon package. Never heard of that. Okay. Oh, now, yeah, that's uh, making sense now. I understand what you're okay. talking about. Yes. Now, yes. now you've pirate. been introduced to a whole segment of YouTube where people have recorded people stealing packages off their porch. There's even a video out there where uh, I think it's a woman. She she runs up and, and takes a package, and as she's kind of running back to the car, she trips and breaks her ankle in this person's front yard. You know, so it's like a, a a karma video. You know, it's I'm sure it's got millions of views, but yeah, you'll have to and check I, it out. And I'm betting she probably tried to sue those people too. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, porch pirates. He made a tracking uh, uh, tracking device for porch pirates, but you yeah. are more familiar with him in regards to YouTube. Yeah, and that's yeah. sort of where we left off, I guess. Yeah, and he makes all these engineering things and researches topics. So Mr. Beast reached out to Mark Rover about, you know, how could we possibly do this? And the two of them kind of researched the idea and kind of said the only way to make this practical is to reach out to a larger organization and basically try to turn donations into planted trees. So they reached out to the Arbor Day Foundation who agreed to plant one tree for every dollar donated. And they also enlisted the help of just about every major YouTuber out there. Yeah, so that's what I've seen of it. I I didn't know the origin story, but I, there's a there's a a couple different YouTube channels that I follow that have done videos on it recently. You know, just uh, the one I watched was uh, Destin from Smarter Every Day. You know, he was talking about just like the logistics of not only planning. Uh, it's twenty million trees. Is is there is twenty million? Yeah, twenty million trees. Yeah. So not not only planting 20 million trees, but like just figuring out the the logistics of what trees grow where. And, and he sort of he's he lives, uh, I think, Georgia, Georgia or Alabama. But anyway, he met with some professors down there and they talked about the uh, the longleaf pine and some of its special characteristics and how it really thrives in a uh, it kind of needs fire to clear that understory and and grow but anyway you could watch the video but yeah. uh that's sort of my knowledge on it is, is from from that standpoint right the the like you said the youtubers have been yeah. um 
tagged in or, or, you know, um, brought into this to say, hey, let's try to make this thing a reality. Hashtag Team Trees. Go make a donation, and for every dollar donated, they're going to plant a tree. Right. And the the website to donate to is teamtrees.org. And this is... If if they succeed in getting these twenty million, they want to plant twenty million trees. Uh, they they want to get the donations together to plant twenty million trees by twenty twenty, so by the new year. Oh, okay. Um, and if this succeeds, it'll be like one of the largest private uh, like environmental initiatives ever done. So do you it, do you know anything about the details of where they're going to plant these? Like, are they going to plant these right. all across the country? Or my question you know is, about who's that? who's planting them? You said Arbor Day, but who? Like, somebody has to physically plant the trees. Well, I think Arbor Day already has that framework because right. if you've ever gotten the Arbor Day mailings, right? They they say, oh, ten dollars, and we'll send you ten, ten trees, trees, and yeah. you're a member of Arbor Day. But then or, you plant. You can, and you plant them, or you can wave the trees and they'll plant trees in, you know, for your $10 donation or something like that, right? Isn't there something like that? That might be right. It might be an option to have 10 trees planted somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the, the Arbor Day, they already have the framework to plant trees um, efficiently. And they're they're going to plant these trees in areas that they have deemed being in like critical need of reforestation all across the world. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, it's not just the U.S. It's you know not just North America, but it's the whole world. Um, there are locations within the U.S., but it's the whole world. So um, they're obviously then it's going to be different tree species if it's correct. all across the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, and that's another reason that they kind of tagged in the Arbor Day Foundation was that they had the the knowledge to know what trees to plant where, and also just had the the ability to find places to plant trees. Twenty million trees is a lot of trees to plant, so just even finding the ground to plant right. 20 million trees is, you know, sort of a, an undertaking in itself. Yeah. So my devil's advocate, how are they following up on this and confirming that Arbor Day is using these donations to plant trees? Because the Arbor Day Foundation is also extremely, extremely left and anti-gun and so how do we know our money's not going against us? Good question. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's a good question. I mean, I, other than it's a... Uh, I mean, illegal, obviously. I'm assuming it would be illegal, but... Yeah. That's... I well, just, that's I a, is, Arbor Day a, is Arbor Day a non-profit? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just know that they definitely lean... You know, as so, hunters, we kind of flirt the line because we have very... We like our guns, but we also like our, you know, our natural places. Right. Natural resources. Right. And, you know, we care about the environment, clean, clean right. air, clean water. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So, and those don't align with a party left or right. They, a little bit of both. So that's where some of the organizations are on one side and the other. I mean, they're going to do a lot of good things for wildlife by planting trees, but we need to make sure that the money is planting trees and not funding politics. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would assume that there's some sort of uh, checks and balance system here. I mean, a dollar per tree doesn't... I'm assuming that someone's going to be checking up on it, and a dollar per tree doesn't leave a lot of leftover room when you're talking about actually getting trees to plant and paying or organizing volunteers to plant them. Right. No, assuming they're planting trees, I don't think they're making money off of it by any means. I'm just thinking $20 million is a lot of money if they're not planting trees and using it against gun rights or against like, hunters. yeah, we'll plant 10 million trees, call it good right. enough, and keep the other $10 million. <laughs> right, right. I obviously, I, I, you know, that's a joke. I don't, I obviously have no clue. I, I do think there are, that's why I asked if they're a nonprofit, you know, because nonprofits get audited, and I do think there's some, um, you know, there needs to be an audit trail that can be followed that, hey, you know, you guys did this donation campaign and you said you were going to plant a tree for every dollar donated. So show us where you donate or, you know, you, you planted a tree for every dollar that was donated, but uh, it would probably be worth, uh, reading the fine print. I'm sure there's some fine print somewhere in this and, uh, you know, maybe digging a little deeper. But assuming, I mean, assuming it's all on the up and up, right? And and you're going to give a dollar and it's going to plant a tree. It could be, you know, it sounds like a a really cool, um, what's the word? Like citizen science, like, um, public action. Yeah. You were, you were leading, alluding to it there, Jeff, with like, this will be the biggest, um, private, uh, Whatever. publicly funded yeah environmental initiative yeah yeah so you yeah. know i mean planting 20 million trees you know isn't going to save the world but it is actually a step in the right direction you know a a real a real move in the right direction yeah you know that's 20 million trees is that's you know a lot of acres of reforestation right and having those trees i don't the planting of those trees being professionally overseen is you know is going to increase that the odds of survival and right could actually really you know there could there could be forests in you know, 20, 30 years that were planted from this, you know, there could be real world, uh, impacts from this. Right. And they're so far, they're pretty, they've been pretty successful at raising money. Um, I think through the first three or four days, they had raised 5 million. Okay. And they, you know, they gave themselves basically two months to get to the 20 million. 
to get to the 20 million. Yeah. Okay. So, and just about every major YouTuber is contributing. You know, I've seen everyone from like, you know, makeup tutorial YouTubers to uh, Matt from Demolition Ranch. Okay. So, Jeff, just a little side note. Why are you watching makeup tutorial YouTubers? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, you know, they're, they they come up on the trending. I don't know anything about YouTube. I don't watch YouTube. I'm just saying. <laughs> Start searching team, uh, hashtag team trees. Never know what you're going to find. I guess. Well, and I mean, if you go to YouTube right now, uh, probably every top video you see is going to be related to this. Yeah, okay. I mean, they've basically taken over all of YouTube. Pretty wild. So that's Team Trees. Hashtag Team Trees. Check it out if you're interested. Um, and so I'm struggling to find a way to transition into our main topic, which is hunting etiquette. So I... Uh, Let's do this. I got a I got a package in the mail today. So uh, here, hang on a second. Did you guys hear that? Uh huh. Yes. Yes. It's, it's my new grunt tube, man. Mm-hmm. We're Sounds going a lot to the cabin. Better. Sounds a lot better than your old one. Yeah. So so my my old grunt call. I uh slid down a hill and packed it all full of mud and I could never get it to, to sound right. I washed it all out and everything. I could never get it to sound right again. So hmm. I, uh, finally invested in a new grunt tube and, uh, I'm going to be like the Pied Piper this weekend. We're going down to the, for listeners sake, we're going down to our cabin this weekend for, uh, this is the weekend that we were all able to make work with our schedules to go down for a, a, uh, early rut bow weekend. So, be like the Pied Piper, man, tooting on that thing. You guys are going to hear me all over the place. Just uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's there's some truth to that. I'm sure you'll be doing yeah. a lot of practicing. Yeah, yeah. Well, a week ago, both Jake and I were hunting at the same place, about a hundred yards away from each other, and I could hear Jacob rattling. No, oh, really. I was, I was impressed that it was carrying that well, but it was kind of like you know, through a valley and I could hear him. And I wasn't nope. for just, I guess, listeners painting the picture. I wasn't really banging the horns together either. I mean, I was just gently doing a little Simulate bit of rubbing. Some early, yeah. Some early yeah. sparring kind of. Right. Just a little bit of making just a tiny bit of noise just to do something. And next thing I know, Jeff's messaging me saying, are you rattling? I heard some deer fighting i'm like no don't get excited that was me all right i want to pause here briefly to talk about our sponsor monster whitetail grub so they are a deer feed company they've got their premium product which is a high protein feed and it's got mineral mixed in which keeps the deer coming back after the physical feed is gone they've also got flavored corn and just straight mineral so as the rut's winding down and we're getting geared up for either youth season or 
gun season here in a couple weeks. Now would be a good time to start getting some feed out if you're if you're trying to get some deer on a pattern for opening day. And we've you've heard us talk before. We've had really good luck with this product. It works well. They've got all kinds of different flavor additives and things that you can add to the feed and it just works it's a, it's a it's a coarser feed and so it it takes the deer a little more time to to get through it than just a pile of corn and we've had really good success with it so that being said if you're looking for feed if that's something you want to try out monster whitetail grub supports the podcast and by you supporting them they can continue to support us and we can continue to make these episodes. So I would encourage you to check out Monster Whitetail Grub if feed and or attractants like that are something that you're wanting to try. There'll be a link in the show notes on how to get in touch with them and try some of their stuff. And with that, let's get back into the episode. So that leads us into hunting etiquette, right? What if there's a guy just over the hill going to town on his grunt tube (laughs) What do you do, right? No. Um, so, like I mentioned in the beginning, right, there's these scenarios in hunting and fishing. Today, these are going to kind of be hunting uh, issues. We're going we're gonna to go over, I think, uh, one, it's going to kind of lead into two. And, you know, this may kind of be an ongoing thing. So, if you guys have, like, scenarios that you've run across or you know, things that have happened to you, um, send them into us and, and, you know, we can talk about them. But, uh, where I think I want to start is what do you do when you come across somebody else while hunting? So that's, that's pretty broad, but let's start with if you're going to a piece of public and it's got a, like a public parking area, you pull in and there's already a vehicle there. What do you, what do you do? Do you go somewhere else or do you go in anyway? What are your thoughts? Oh, for starters, I mean, it depends how big your piece is, I guess. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, if it's a 20 acre little spot where it's got a single parking spot and there's someone in it, I probably would maybe, if I had another spot close, try to go somewhere else because there's not a whole lot of room for two people in such a small piece. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if it's a big hundreds of acres of public, I mean, one guy I can't lay claim to the whole thing. So where's where's the line? Uh, I don't know. That's, that's I guess where it, it gets tough, right? Yeah. Right. Well. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here and say there's another factor. And the other factor is the proximity of other public hunting land. Very true. Good point. Because if it's 20 acres and, you know, the next public hunting is in for, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes away. Like, I think you're justified to go in with that guy. Right. You know, if the next public hunting is across the street, you should probably go across the street. Right. Okay. Yeah. So and there's I mean, a I line. Think it, it matters, too, with season. I mean, bow hunting versus gun season. With gun season, obviously, you don't want to be packed in as close. 
but I don't know. So, so we agree that there's a line somewhere, and it, and that's see that's where you that's why you run into these scenarios, right? Is there's a lot of gray, right? There's a lot. There's no cut and dry like this is the right way, and there's a lot of variables, right? The size of the you know in this one example, right? The size of the piece, the proximity of other hunting. Um, I mean, you could even say maybe there's not other public hunting around, but if you have access nearby to private ground, you know, maybe that plays into your decision. I I, I would say it would, right? Maybe that guy that's hunting that 20 acre piece only has public, you know, only has public hunting as a resource. He, He doesn't know anybody, doesn't have any family, hasn't knocked on doors, doesn't have any access to private ground. So he's, he has to hunt that 20. Whereas you've got, you know, six different properties in the, in the county or whatever that you can hunt. Maybe let that guy hunt that 20 and and you go hit one of your, one of your other properties. So there's a line, right? If, if you have other options and maybe that's what we try to do is trying to boil it down to a, a sort of general, um, how you should handle it. Right. So if you have other options, there's other options nearby, other public options nearby, use those other options. The other way that I like to look at these is, you know, say I'm the guy in there hunting, uh, you know, how does your, just sort of flip the scenario, right? Put your, put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, you're in there hunting and somebody pulls into the parking lot. How would you hope that they handle it? Um, you know, maybe you could leave a note if it's a small piece and you always have people walking in on you, ruining your hunts. Maybe you leave a note on your vehicle saying, hey, I'm in the northwest corner. It would be cool if you, you know, left that area alone and that way we don't bother each other sort of thing. I'm coming out, right. I'm not ruining your hunt, you're coming in, not walking up on me. You know, maybe that's a yeah, way that you can handle those kind of scenarios. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. I mean, especially if, because you get that, uh, you know, deer hunter, small game hunter conflict. And, you know, if I'm going in somewhere to small game hunt, and someone says, you know, I'm deer hunting over here, I'd be more than willing to stay away if I knew where they were at. Right. But if, if I don't know where they're at, I'm just going to go where I want to small game hunt. And if I run into them, I run into them. Well, so that, that poses the next question, right? So we've talked, you know, one scenario, right? You pull into the parking lot and there's already a vehicle there. You're, you've just sort of posed another scenario of there's another vehicle there, but you know, you're, you're, small game hunting you're going to go in anyway and you walk up on the guy you're small game hunting it's public ground you both have equal rights to be there then what how do you handle that do you turn around and go back the other way oh that's a i that's tough because it i've had it both I've had both scenarios where I've had guys come all the way up to me and we have a conversation. And I've also seen it where I see someone 
I wave, they see me, they turn around and leave. I'm not sure which one is a better solution, I guess. I mean, I don't know if it's better for him to walk all the way into my tree or if it's better for him to see me at 50 to 75 yards and turn around. I guess either way, he's probably bumped any deer that were at that moment right there away. Um, so I guess it, for me, if I, if, if I walked in and, you know, I'm small game hunting and I, and I look up and see a guy in a tree stand or, or like you said, he's kind of giving me the wave like, Hey dude, I'm over here. Um, I would, I would try to, I'm not going to turn around and go home. Uh, but I think I would try to avoid him, right? I'm going to swing out around him. If I have to go kind of past him to get access to the rest of it, you know, I'm going to try and stay as far away from him as I can, not, you know, and try and not disturb his hunt. Maybe, you know, knowing what I know about wind direction, maybe I would take that into consideration. Um, just because I wouldn't want somebody to, to, come in and disturb my hunt, I guess, you know, that's kind of going back to flip the, flip the scenario, right? Put yourself in the other person's shoes and, and, and how would you prefer it? The nice thing, you know, you mentioned they come in and talk to you. The nice thing about that is now, you know, each other's plans, you know, as long as everybody's civil and, you know, it's not like, what the hell are you doing? I'm, you know, it's not that kind of confrontation, but it's like, Hey man, sorry, you know, I was going to, you know, go up this way. Is that, you know, what were you, where were you, are you going to sit here all night or were you, are you going to move now that I kind of busted in on you or, you know, where are you going to go? The nice thing about that is, right, you, you, you both are on the same page then and you can kind of go your separate ways if you so choose or, you know, whatever the case is. But maybe if you, you know, if you come up over a hill and they're right there, you're already in their, you know, their 30 yard zone maybe you have a conversation with him then if you see him from a hundred yards away, I wouldn't then tromp over there and like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> having yeah. a whisper conversation. Right. But, uh, yeah. Jeff, any well, thoughts on that one? Well, I want to pose another scenario that I've ran into before. I've been small game hunting and, basically walked up on someone bow hunting like got very close to him before i noticed them up in a tree and i'm squirrel hunting i see a squirrel you know 30 yards away do you shoot it or do you pass up on that shot opportunity because you don't want to blow this guy's hunt up you know i ended up passing on it but that's what i think that's what i would do uh, I, you know, yeah. you have every right to shoot it, but eh, you can probably walk off, you know, 300 yards, get out of his, his bubble, if you will. Right. And find another squirrel pretty easy. Maybe if you're a better squirrel hunter than me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess that's, that's the way I would handle it. Because I, I yeah, think I would say, oh, shoot, sorry, you know, and yeah, 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 but yeah. I don't know. My, I guess, thought process on that would be 
typically I would try to think of it as like who's not that one hunt is more important than the next, but who has more skin in the game kind of thing, I guess. Um, I would typically prioritize a deer hunt as more, I don't know, you can't put values to it, but more important quote unquote than a squirrel hunt or like there's just more squirrel than there are deer, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So someone hunting a deer has more invested. They have less opportunity typically than someone squirrel hunting. You get a lot more meat out of a deer. It's just a different, I don't know. So I, well, would, I, I don't, I wouldn't shoot the squirrel 30 yards from the guy. I don't know, man. You're kind of sound like a deer <laughs> hunting elitist here making, <laughs> you know, that a deer hunts more important than a squirrel hunt. I not, where I was going to go with it is I don't want to use the word important. What I want to let me clear. Not more important, but there's more squirrels like Jason said. You could go yeah. get a squirrel somewhere else. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, not, but but I think, you know, it it this sort of highlights the difficulty in these scenarios, right? Like how do you handle these scenarios and there's not one right answer. Where I was going to go with it is in that particular scenario, the deer hunter was there first. Right there, right. there. To me, there's an element of, you know, whoever got there first sort of gets it. Right, you get to hunt that area because you were there first. Uh, you know, uh, I feel like that in in at least in my decision making tree, uh, that plays into it. Right, there's somebody. Oh, I walked up on you. Sorry about that. I'll go find a new spot. You were here first. Um. <clears throat> Cause I know like it hasn't been small game versus deer hunting, but you know, I've had those scenarios where you come up over a hill and, Oh, you know, I was going to go sit there and there's another guy, you know, whether he's in a tree or it's gun season and you know, you come up over a hill and there's another orange pumpkin sitting there, you know, and it's like, well, I'm going to go find a new spot. They were here first and, you know, and I and I've had I've had that same sort of courtesy, I guess, given to me where I was in before daylight, and you know, it it, it always stinks, right? Because it always seems like it's that magical, like that first hour of daylight. You you know, things are really good, and you hear something, and you look up, and it's a it's a guy walking towards you. But yeah, every time I run in, it's that guy who couldn't get the mattress off his back. Yeah, yeah. Coming in and, late. Yeah. And so, so every time I've had that scenario, right, they, you know, we kind of give each other the wave and they turn around and go back the way they came, you know, go find a, a, a different spot. But yeah, so, this, go ahead, Jeff. This brings me to a different, similar scenario that I've ran into before. Uh, me and our buddy Jim were walking into the woods we came across another hunter. This is during gun season. Might have been muzzleloader season. But we're walking into the woods. We come across another hunter. And we see him. And we see a deer. And we asked the other guy, are you going to shoot that deer? And he said, no, you know, I'm buck hunting. And Jim then shot it. What do you guys think about that scenario? Oh. Because then meaning it's by, not meaning by shooting that deer, you've blown up this guy's buck hunt. Sort of. I mean, I, I, 
if you feel so that you've blown up his buck hunt, but I mean, I mean, I, I honestly, don't. I think that's all well and good. I mean, you asked him, are you interested? I mean, that deer must have been far away or a dumb deer. No, it was, it was a dumb there. deer. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a dumb deer. And I mean, it was gun season, so it was, you know, maybe maybe right. 50 yards away. I mean, I don't I, know, man. I, I That feels like tough. a D move to know. me. I think because, he, again, he well, was there first, man, and, and right. he's got his priorities and and you know he was there hunting and and he's choosing to wait for a buck and you happen to walk up on him at that point i guess for me i'm not hunting i you know i've sort of taken myself out of the hunting mindset until i get out of his bubble and what that bubble is changes right if it bow hunting versus gun hunting um terrain versus flat ground you know there there's another layer of gray area there right but i think i don't know i'm with you it doesn't surprise think, me that jim that right. jim did that right, right. that's that's me either that's jim that's jim uh but but i guess knowing yeah. the characters involved it almost makes it more of a d move because you and jim don't have problem killing deer so i'm sure that wasn't your only opportunity to kill a deer all year <laughs> um so that makes it kind of more of a D move because I'm sure there was plenty of venison between the two of you. But that yeah. doesn't surprise me that Jim would do that, though. I mean, yeah, Jim was in the woods to to, to kill deer, and if that guy wasn't going to kill it, he was. And I don't know. I I probably wouldn't have shot it, but and I I think Jim at least knew who the other guy was. You know, he might not have been buddies with him, but he. He knew who he was. Well, he wasn't buddies with him after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, potentially not. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. I keep going back to, you know, these these gray areas, right, that you've got to make a decision in the moment. And how do you handle it? Right. Because you both have you got equal rights to be there, you know, whether you're right. both deer hunters or one's a deer hunter and one's you know, hunting rabbits or hunting squirrels or, or whatever, you, you know, you, it's public ground, you know, that's where I guess I keep going back to public ground. Cause that's, that's where a lot of these scenarios happen. Uh, but it could be a, I mean, we kind of run into these on grandpa's farm, right. Where, you know, they let a lot of people have access to that. And so you're trying to work around that, you know, are they, are they supposed to even be there for one that, you know, on a, on a private ground scenario and then just trying to everybody uh, play nice together, I guess is, is how I'll put it. So here's a question. When you do pop over a hill and realize you're right on top of somebody and you, you know, you meet eyes and you know, he's mad because you just came and busted his hunt What's your escape tactic? Do you try to get out as fast as you can? Bust and brush, just plow your way out of there and get away as fast as you can? Or do you try and sneak out and take a while? Uh, it would depend on what kind of mode I was in before I came up over the hill, right? If I was just, you know, I'm not nowhere near where I was planning to go, and so I'm just kind of in travel mode, right? I'm not really, I'm not trying to make a bunch of noise, but I'm not really in sneak mode. 
um, then the damage is already done, right? I, you know, so I'm just going to turn around and leave at, at the same pace and therefore noise level as I came in. But if I was basically wanting to end up where he was hunting, and so I'm in sort of stealth mode, I, you know, I don't want to go stomping in there, um, then I would probably... I would probably leave out of there again at the same, maybe, maybe a little faster just to get out of there. Right. You know, but I'm going to try to be quiet unless, unless I came up over the hill and like, we're, you know, eye to eye and we have a a conversation. Then it's like, well, you know, the gig is up at this point, but then I'm, then I'm going to get out of there. But if I come up over the hill and I see a guy in a tree stand you know, I'm going to try to turn around and sneak out of there as roughly as quietly as I was sneaking in. I mean, there's, I can't think of a specific example, but I have seen scenarios where as I'm walking in, I see a guy and, you know, maybe I'm behind him or something and he never even knew I was there. Right. And right. so I just turned around and snuck back out of there. But I think, you know, one thing we, we've kind of touched on here is, you know, I keep referring to, I'm, I'm going to get out of his bubble. Right. And I think that's, that bubble is different gun hunting versus bow hunting. And, and my reason for that is the bubble is a lot smaller, I would say with bow hunting, because, you know, if a, if a deer's a hundred yards away, I mean, unless it's 100 yards away coming towards you on a trail or something, but if a deer's 100 yards away and you're not going to have an opportunity at it, what's it matter if I hunt over there? Because you're not, you know, you can't shoot that deer anyway. It, with a gun, you can shoot 100 yards, right? And so you're, if you can see 100, you know, it's a field or something, you know, if I'm 100 yards away, you know, like let's say you've got a field and it's 100 yards across you know, typically let's say, let, let's paint this, the picture, right? You've got a field, it's a hundred yards across and, um, you know, typically if you, a, a, a deer is going to kind of walk along the edge of the field. And so let's say the deer on your side of the field, you know, the odds of that deer coming across the wide open field you know, let's say it's a cut field is probably pretty low, right? So in that scenario, I might set up and bow hunt on the far side of the field, assuming my wind's not blowing in and and messing up the other guy's hunt because those deer are sort of outside of your bubble, right? They're, they're, you don't really have a play on those deer. With a gun, I've got to go find somewhere else because you can very easily shoot those deer. So, right. well, here's another question, though. So say we're not talking about flat ground. Say we're talking about hill country. Can you just go right over the hill, which is only maybe, you know, 30 yards away and hunt over there? Uh, if you. If you know the guy, I would say. Yes, right? Because we, I mean, 
we've done that, right? You're going to hunt this side. I'm going to, you know, because right. maybe the deer aren't, they don't typically come over the top, right? In, you know, in that area, right? They're going to run right. the hillside. And so you're, you're in a way hunting different deer. It, I think it's, that's uh, the key though, right there. Like you got to know your terrain and know your deer. Yeah. Yeah. Know how they point. move. You know what I mean? If you know, because you can also do a real D move. You walk up on a guy and you're like, well, I know the deer come from over here. I'm just going to go 30 yards further and I'll get them first. Yeah. You know I mean, if you know where the deer move, if you really have no idea, then you're not doing anything intentional. But like, if you know the deer bed over here, they work this face, they come through this, you know, low spot and come across. I'm just going to go to the other side and catch them before they get to the, you know, the pass where they come through and that's kind of a D move, but if it's separate, you know, there's deer that live in this hollow, you know, facing west, so to speak, and there's deer that live in this hollow that's over the east side of this ridge, and they're separate things. They don't typically come up and over. They go out the front or whatever, then at that point you're hunting almost totally different deer. Yeah, or even if they're the same deer, like let's say they're, you know, it's the same group of deer, but they bounce from one hollow to the other. You, you know, you're you're only going to have a chance in one spot or the other, sort of thing, right? right? Like it's a spot. It's a, I guess, this scenario, this picture we're painting is, it's, you know, it's a high peak or something, and not a peak because a, a lot of times, I guess, a you know, a deer would sort of maybe work around a peak, but you know, it's a ridge or something and, and it's real thick on top and the deer don't cross over, right? There's a, you know, maybe it's not a good place to hunt <laughs> as I, as I'm painting this scenario, but, um, yeah, I forget where I was going with that, but. Well, in that scenario, say it's a thick top. I mean, that'd be a good gun hunting situation, though. You know what I mean? If it's thick at the top and you want to sit on one side of the thicket looking down into a hollow, it's okay to only be 20, 30 yards away if you're back to back and there's a thicket between you and you're shooting down into another hollow where you each have 100, 100 yard shots, but the deer are never going to cross. You know what I mean? You're in that situation like you're just over the ridge from each right. other right but right I mean, hunting totally different acreage so to speak there's been scenarios where you know that's happened unintentionally right like you, you're set up and it gets daylight or something and not even like first light but you know at some point a couple hours in, you know, something happens, the light changes, you, you, you know, you shift over or something and all of a sudden you see another guy. I, I, again, I can't think of a specific example, but I know there's been scenarios where it was like, boy, that really looks like orange over there, you know, and you've been sitting there for two hours and unknowingly hunting, you know, 80 yards from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen where I've, well, you know, the woods woke up and I was kind of looking around, doing whatever, doing whatever. And like you said, the sun, the shadows move and all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, there's a guy over there. I'm glad yeah. a deer didn't come by because I had no idea he was there. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people, you know, the sun comes up and 
you know, hunted for a few hours with the sun up and then all of a sudden hear a gunshot, you know, that sounds like it's right next to me. (laughs) And someone's been hunting over the ridgetop, not far at all from me all day, you know, but we both came in in the dark and. Yeah, from different directions and. Right. Never heard each other. You know, I right. came up this hollow, he came up that hollow, or he came over the ridge. Yep. And, you know, that'll that'll really scare you. Yeah. You know, because you're all alone in the woods, you know, you feel like you can see a thousand yards, and then all of a sudden there's a gunshot that, you know, sounds like your gun went off. Yeah. Though That's a... Uh... You better hope you brought TP with you up there because you, you got to clean your drawers out. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> so, a lot of scenarios. I don't know if we made, I don't know if we made any progress in sort of, uh, well, I think we did, right? We, you know, sort of laying some of these scenarios out and just, I, I guess the the main takeaway I would I would sort of suggest with this is, Try to keep in mind that, you know, people aren't, well, you see a lot of stuff on the internet, right? So maybe there are some scenarios where somebody's intentionally trying to be malicious, but in the vast, vast, vast majority of scenarios, we're all just out there trying to hunt, have a good time, enjoy the resource. And so keep that in mind, I guess. Uh, I try to keep that in mind when I when I have these scenarios, you know, in the moment it can be frustrating, right? A guy walked up on you. Oh, my hunt's ruined, but you know, he didn't know, you know, hopefully he, you know, he, you know, if you're the guy that walks up on somebody, think about if the roles were reversed and, you know, maybe you just kind of ease back out of there and go find a different spot. And, uh, just be nice to each other out there. Uh, so you guys have any other scenarios or anything you want to add to this conversation before we shut it down? Any, I guess, closing thoughts? My, my well, closing I think... thought will be, I just feel like you just, I, in my situation, I just like to try and think of like, to use like a scientific term, I guess, or a medical term. I don't know, like the opportunity cost. Um, and what that means is like, the three of us, we get to do our fair share of hunting, hence why we're doing a podcast, because we love to hunt and our wives allow us to pursue our passion. But um, you don't know what the next guy yep. can or can't do. <laughs> so it might be his only time to be in the woods all year. So I like to try and think about like, you know, I've got deer already. So if I, you know, if I've already gotten a deer and I roll up on a parking lot with a truck in it, I might be less likely to go beaten in. Versus, you know, there's some guys who can only hunt, I don't know, whatever. They get three weekends a year because of whatever it is. So it's like, I don't know. I just try to think about the other guy the best I can. Like you said, it is frustrating. If you scout, you go in in the dark, you do it all right. And then some guy comes beating through the brush an hour, you know, an hour into light. But in the same respect, you don't know. Maybe that guy had some thing come up at home that delayed him and that's why you know it's it's hard to say so i just try to give everybody the benefit of a doubt 
you know what I mean? And just kind of like take it for what it is. It's public land. They have every right to be there. You know, if it's private land in that situation, maybe there's a conversation to be had because you know the other person or should at least have a contact number for them. You know, that's kind of how we handle it. We try to have the phone number for anyone that hunts like out of grandpa's the best we can just to be like, Hey, are you going to be out? If so, where are you going to be? Just to try to avoid that kind of stuff. But I just try to think of it that way. Like you don't know everyone else's story and it's just hard to, it's going to be frustrating when it happens. But then like the more you think about it, like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, uh, and I think opportunity cost is a financial term. I don't well, think there it's... you go. <laughs> financial. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's but... also uh, like an ecological term, though, too. I don't, I don't really know where it comes from. See, because, I think like, I knew it from like ecology and if you do right. something, what the outcome is. But anyhow, moving on. Yeah. Not important to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what kind of my closing thought was a good rule of thumb when you run into these situations is kind of just try to find the scenario that doesn't ruin the other person's hunt and doesn't ruin your hunt. You know, like try to kind of split, you know, some kind of common ground in the middle. Yeah, yeah, find even even if you're not having a conversation with that person, you know, you don't need to ruin your hunt because someone else you ran into someone else. You don't need to necessarily vacate the woods, but you know, try to think, think about that person and think about yourself. You know, I, I don't know. Cause I'm more of one of the people that if I ran into someone, I would want to leave the woods because I'm ruining, you know, his hunt. Yeah. But I, I, kind of have to remind myself like well i have just as much right to be here as he does even though you know maybe even he was here first but i still have you know a right to be hunting here because it's public ground or it's private ground that i have permission on so you know let's try to find you know come up with a solution that doesn't ruin my day and doesn't ruin his right doesn't keep you out of the woods but also doesn't completely blow up the other guy's hunt right yeah so like we said you know let us know if if you guys uh like these kind of conversations you know where we where we kind of play around with these uh etiquette type scenarios send us some scenarios that you've had you know if if you want we can talk about those on an episode you know maybe we make this a uh an ongoing segment or something but uh yeah I guess we'll we'll leave it with, uh, you know, like Jeff said, try to find a, a common ground, a common solution where everybody gets to hunt and hopefully you're not completely ruining, uh, don't intentionally ruin somebody else's hunt, you know, don't, don't be that guy, but hopefully that, you know, there's usually a way where you can back out and swing around a different way or, or whatever the scenario is if you walk up on somebody, but there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of these different scenarios. This is just one, right? We, we could talk about how close can you fish to somebody else, right? There, you know, there's, there's things there. You're in a hot spot. Can, you know, can you come over and, and fish near somebody else? Or, 
Um, you know, there's tons of these scenarios, right? So let us know if you like this and, uh, good luck out there. Stay safe. And, uh, thanks for listening. All right. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Like I said, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully it gets you thinking about some scenarios and, and, you know, maybe you can put yourself in the other person's shoes when you're out there and you, you run into these sort of, uh, hunting etiquette conundrums if, if you will and uh, hopefully we can all just kind of play nice like I said we're all out there trying to use the resource and get a deer and so or a squirrel or rabbits or whatever you're out there doing and uh, hopefully we can all get along like I said maybe we'll do some more of these if you guys like this kind of stuff and we'd love to hear some of your your a hunting etiquette uh, scenarios that you've run into and, and maybe we can talk about those on the show maybe other people can learn from them or, or there'll be some takeaways from that so if you want to share those with us that would be great another thing I'll, I'll remind you of is as we're getting into holiday shopping season we do have our shirts and sweatshirts and decals on our website if, if that's something that you would be interested in so you can go to ohiohuntsman.com apparel And that basically gets you into all of our different apparel options. So we've got men's stuff, we've got women's stuff, we've got youth stuff, and like I said, our decals. So check that stuff out. That's another way that you can help support the podcast and and help us continue to make these. And with that, I think that's everything I wanted to touch on. So hopefully you guys have been spending some time in the woods. Hopefully you had a good rut. And now it's time to get geared up for gun season so with that i want to thank everybody for listening and stay safe out there